0: Greetings and hello, fellow Trekkies. Welcome back to another episode of Yelling About Star Trek. My name is Christian Fox, and this is the show where I yell at you about all things Star Trek for your amusement, so I'm not yelling at my friends and family who don't want to hear my thoughts and theories on this fantastic franchise. Today, I want to talk about my work in conflict resolution and how Star Trek actually led me to that. But before I get into all of that, make sure you get out of your space pajamas, put on your shiniest pair of boots, get a cup of coffee, get a cup of tea, maybe some iced tea if you wanna pull the archer maneuver, and brace for impact because things are about to get nerdy. So as you might know, I do conflict resolution work, and I've talked about that in other episodes of this podcast. I've talked about it on my YouTube channel, which is also called Yelling About Star Trek, And I've also talked about it quite a bit on another show that I do called The Big Sci-Fi Podcast, which you should definitely check out. But I actually really haven't gotten into the specifics of what I do and how Star Trek led me to that type of work. So what I do is I work in the field of conflict resolution, as I've already said, but specifically I do mediation. And the way I describe mediation is that it's basically just a facilitated conversation that you would have with someone who you're in conflict with and two mediators would be there to make sure that everyone's being understood and respected and that all parties are following the rules. And the point of that is to eventually get to a point where you're able to share your thought and your perspective on the situation and the other party is able to share their perspective on the situation. And then through that conversation, the two of you would find a solution that you're both happy with. And this doesn't have to be between two people. It can be between multiple people. And while I deal with a variety of conflicts and I can deal with, essentially try to help anyone who's in conflict resolve it, as long as there's not a very specific legal component, which we try to stay away from. I tend to really deal with conflicts that are between neighbors and Trust me, there are a lot of different neighbor disputes that go on, but the ones that I find to be the most common are fences and trees. And for fences, like let's say, you know, there's a really bad windstorm and the fence blows down, parties might get into a disagreement about who should actually pay for the fence. One party might say, well, you know, it's, a, it's on the property line, we should both cover the cost. And the other party might say, well, no, it's actually a little bit on your side, so you should pay for it. And that causes a lot of tension. When it comes to trees, the most common issue we have are tree branches. For example, a tree branch might be overhanging on someone else's property. So that branch is either doesn't look good, or maybe it's dropping leaves that the other neighbor's unhappy about, or maybe it's blocking sun and preventing a garden from growing properly. Those kinds of things are incredibly common. And maybe if you're listening to this and you're relating to it because you realize that, oh, you know what? I have the same issue with my neighbor. And, you know, unfortunately, it's a it's a very common thing and it's something that we really try to help with. I always take the perspective that, hey, you know what? There's been a lot going on in the world. We were dealing with COVID. There's the war in Ukraine. There's all these other horrifying things that are going on. And the one place you should feel calm and relaxed in is is your own home, and you should be able to be there and feel at peace. So that's kind of where I step in. Again, I do other types of conflicts, but I tend to really do those just because those are the majority of our cases. And so we really want to try to help people learn the skills of conflict resolution so that if it does happen again, they can resolve it and that they can continue to enjoy their property. So that's basically what I do. But how does this all relate back to Star Trek? Well, it relates to a captain that I've on record said is basically like a father to me. And that is Captain Picard because Captain Picard, as we all know is on TNG and TNG is what really exposed me to the idea of resolving conflict in a really peaceful way where parties can kind of, you know, have a conversation with each other about what's bothering them in an effective and, um, um, I'm trying to think of the right word, not polite, but in a respectful way where they're saying what they need to say, but they're doing it in a thoughtful, respectful way that the other party doesn't feel like, hey, what are you, what are you talking about? Why are you coming at me like this? And the best example I can think of when it comes to two people in conflict is from the episode, why am I blanking on the name? The Gambit part two and Gambit one and part two. And the Gambit two parter is the one where Picard and Riker get kidnapped by the mercenaries, and then they have to pretend to be mercenaries, and they're all at each other's throats. And in part two, when Riker and Picard are on that ship, Data is actually in command, and Worf is the first officer. Now, at the beginning of the episode, in a little bit, I think this is about midway into the episode, Nate is making all these decisions that Worf is not happy with. And Worf, being Worf, because, you know, he's used to being able to voice his opinions, does not seem impressed with anything that Data is doing. And then at one point in the episode, Worf sighs when Data tells him to do something, and then Data, like, picks up on that. And, you know, they have a very frank conversation in Picard's ready room where he says, hey, look, Worf, I'm not happy with your performance here. What's going on? You are not you know, doing a good job as first officer and you seem visibly upset whenever I say something and, you know, Riker would never behave in that way. And then Worf kind of says to to Data, well, you know, just I've always been comfortable presenting my views on a situation and Picard has always been open to that. And Data correctly points out, well, yes, that was when you were acting as a chief of security. But when you're my first officer, it's not appropriate for you, for you to display that kind of uh, irritation because again, Riker never did that or something along those lines. I can't remember exactly the order of the conversation, but that's basically the gist of it. And then Worf is like, Oh, um, okay. Yes, I understand. Look, if I've, I'm very sorry, uh, it won't happen again. And then data makes a comment where he's like, well, it's okay, but please do better. And if I've ruined our friendship, I'm very sorry. And then, Worf is like, hey, you know what? The relationship is ruined. That's beyond me. I'm the one behaving badly, not you, Captain, because you're the captain. And the two of them are like, uh, and well, they don't say, uh, I don't know. I can't remember if it's Data or Worf, but one of them says, well, you know, I'd love to continue being friends and let's work past this incident. And the two of them kind of agree to that. And from the rest of the episode, uh, Worf behaves in a way that acknowledges what Data has said. And Data does try to be slightly more. Hey, you know what? Let's let's try and do what you're suggesting, Worf. And so the two of them basically acknowledge the other person's point and try to show the other person that they have acknowledged it, and not only that they understand it, but they're actually taking action to. Uh, and again, I don't know why I'm blanking on the words today so much, but and I'm very sorry I've lost my train of thought. But basically, both both Worf and Data try to show the other person that hey I've heard what you said, I've acknowledged it, and now I'm implementing it. And to me, that is like such a great example of how conflict should work. It's like, hey, I'm bothered by this thing that you did. Oh, I'm sorry. I was doing it because of this. Well I understand, but here's why that bothered me. Okay, I will do better. Let's move on and work and work through it. And you know, granted, that's like one of the easiest conflicts I've ever seen to resolve. And most conflict is not resolved in that way but that's how it was resolved in star trek and when you look at the greater tng series or rather the larger series you see that okay that's one example but there's a lot of that and a through line of tng and all of star trek is hey let's resolve conflict in a peaceful way and picard even brings up mediation a number of times and mediation is actually brought up in you know a lot of the different series that uh, and you know as i've said in my other episodes I was exposed to this maybe at like three or four, maybe five, if I'm doing my math correctly. But basically, I've been exposed to this like for every day for so long. And I've also, I think I've talked about how my parents were going through a pretty nasty divorce where there was a divorce shenanigans and a lot of, uh, hey, you did this thing, oh, your mother did that thing, I'm outraged, oh, child support you know, all of that kind of stuff. All the usual, what what? I what, how did I describe it once? I think I described it on this very show with all the usual accoutrements of, of a divorce, like what you'd expect in a divorce. So there was a lot of conflict, a lot of yelling back and forth, not in the fun way, but the kind of, uh, I just want to go and watch Star Trek, you know, like, leave me out of this, you guys. All right. So yeah, that was a pretty challenging thing that I had to deal with. But then I was exposed to Star Trek. Where was like, hey, there's a world where you don't need to go to court to to resolve things like that. You don't need to yell at each other. You can just sit down and have a conversation. And that was always something that was in the back of my mind, but not something that I was really able to vocalize or really articulate. Just an idea, a feeling that I had. And this went on for, oof, um, or not the divorce fight, but more so like just me not articulating this idea of conflict resolution in a, in a peaceful way. Like I, I liked the idea of, okay, in a peaceful way, because that's what Star Trek was all about, but it never really vocalized it in that way. And it certainly wasn't something that I thought I could actually do with a, and, and make a living off of. And then flash forward to university I was interested in psychology, and so I thought, oh, I'm going to be a psychologist, and that was my major because, you know, I went to an art school, or not actually an art school, but more known for engineering. That was, like, the thing to do at Waterloo, if you were an engineer at Waterloo, you were, like, top of the top, like, the smartest people, but unfortunately, I was not uh, that kind of guy, so I was in the arts program, and I did psychology because I liked psychology, and, you know, first year went by, and I was like, oh, cool, or... I shouldn't say first year went by. First semester went by. I'm like, oops, psychology, fantastic, loving every minute of it. And then second semester, I was like, oh, I gotta take a, I gotta go take a um and then in second semester, I was like, oh, I gotta go take an elective. And so I was like, oh, this one seems interesting. Conflict resolution one on one. That seems kind of cool. Not making a structure connection at all. And just thought, oh, this would be something fun to do. Like, you know, not really like an activity, but hey, I need to take an elective. This seems kind of interesting. I can probably do relatively well in, and once the term is over, I'll move on and I'll and I'll still be able to really focus on psychology. And so I took, I took this conflict resolution course, and I remember within, I I feel like it was maybe the first day in that course where I sat down. Uh, our professor started, and I'm pretty sure it was, I probably shouldn't call it a professor's name, but she was really cool. And I'd love to reconnect with her now that I'm actually professional, but she was great. And uh, I learned a lot. But within that first class, I was like, whoa, This sounds like Star Trek. Granted, we weren't talking about warp drive or photon torpedoes or any of that stuff, but the very principle of conflict resolution and this idea that you could resolve conflict in a way that didn't require you to go to court and sue the heck out of someone or get them, you know, sent to jail or whatever the whatever you think of when you think of like the most extreme ways of resolving a conflict, you can just simply sit down, have a conversation, and work through it like a mature person. And I loved it. And I was like, this is Star Trek. You take out all of the sci-fi stuff. And this is Captain Picard. This is TNG. This is Worf and Data having that argument in the ready room that's resolved in under four minutes, which is incredible. So I felt so connected to this. And then I obviously did the rest of the semester and liked it a lot. I thought, oh, this would be a really cool minor if I could minor in conflict resolution. And so I was able to do that and then i came home for the summer and this was summer 2010 and i was and one morning i was eating a pop tart because of course i remember i was eating a pop tart because that's what i do and it was a s'mores pop tart which was fantastic i love the s'mores pop tarts honestly they are they're heavenly i want to have one right now but i'm really trying to be careful so i'm not going to but i want one and this actually sort of connects because I remember probably five years before that, I was eating that very type of Pop-Tart while watching the episode of TOS, A Private Little War, which is another great episode, but oof, I don't love the resolution. So I was eating this, this really amazing Pop-Tart. And, and again, because it's me, it's so relevant to the story, even though it has nothing to do with the story. And so I'm eating away, having a great time. And my mom is, you know, I think she probably had her coffee at this point. And she came to the kitchen table and I don't even remember how the conversation started, but she was like, Hey, you know, you you, uh, you really seem to like conflict resolution and, and you really seem to be passionate about that. For context, like this program was under the, not the subject, but the other under the peace and conflict studies program. And so she was like, "Yes, you seem to really be connected to that. You seem to like it a lot. You seem to really enjoy peace and conflict studies. So why don't you why don't you major in that?" And I was kind of uh, I was not surprised, but I was kind of like, "Oh, you know what? That's a good idea, and it felt right." But I was a bit hesitant because. I was proud of being able to say, hey, I'm in psychology. I'm a psychology major because everybody knows what psychology is. They're like, hey, a psychologist, that's kind of cool. I mean, maybe you're not on the same level of an engineer or, or a doctor. And I don't mean to say that psychologists don't aren't on that same level. But in the university system, especially at Waterloo, I felt like, okay, you're a psychologist or you're in the psychology program. That's kind of cool. Yeah. Okay. You're doing something, but you're not on the same level of, oh, this guy's an engineer. Look at him. Because engineers were, were the cream of the crop at Waterloo, and you really and I really felt like you had to be an engineer to be one of the cool kids on campus. So there was a little bit of hey, I love peace and conflict studies, but I like the prestige that comes with being a psychology major, even though everybody was a psychology major, but there was no prestige with peace and conflict studies, and. So that was kind of what I said to my mom. And she said, well, you know, when I was um, I was a community planner for a long time, as we often talked about, and I don't know if I mentioned this on the on the podcast before, but yeah, she was a community planner and she had a really great position with, with the provincial government and she liked it. And community planning is a program also at Waterloo because she went to Waterloo too, which was amazing, but she was very proud of it. And it was something that, people liked and people were liked, very impressed by. And even my grandfather was like, hey, Sam over here, who my my, uh, grandpa used to call my mom Sam, she's a community planner. And so people were always very impressed by that. But then she moved into teaching. And so she was telling me that, you know, when she moved into teaching – she felt that the prestige was gone. Like people weren't that impressed when she said she was a teacher because, well, everybody kind of knows a teacher and everybody's a teacher. And really between you and me, teachers don't get enough love and attention because teachers are incredible. I wouldn't be where I am today if it wasn't for my teachers that, that were able to stand by me and put up with my (laughs) meanness and really help me work through difficult subjects but they don't get that kind of respect. So she didn't feel like she got a ton of respect when she became a teacher. And even my grandfather was proud of her, but he didn't have the same like, oh, she's a community planner. And she said, even with all of that, when I became a teacher, I knew it was right. I had been doing community planning for a long time and I liked it, but I was ready to move on. And so the teacher was the right fit. And she was a teacher for... Uh, when did she become a teacher? What, maybe like 93 or 94? So early 90s, she became a teacher. So And she was a teacher for you know a very long time until she became an administrator, which she didn't love as much. But the whole reason I'm going on about this is because she was able to help me realize that, hey, while the prestige of a program is nice, you don't go with that just because you like the title of, go with what you feel excites you what are you excited to do every day when you're in university? And it was conflict resolution. It was peace and conflict studies. And it was because of Captain Picard. So I did it. And then it kind of led me to where I am today. But So I did, you know, I did the my undergrad in Peace and Conflict Studies. Then I did a Master's in Peace and Conflict Studies, was able to work at this amazing organization called Community Justice Initiatives in Kitchener, Ontario. And I didn't work there. I, was, I interned. And it, it was amazing work because I was able to work with the elder community. I was able to work with children that were in conflicts with their parents, at least a couple of cases. And they're really big on restorative justice. Like, hey, let's just not punish someone by throwing them behind bars, but let's try to help them, you know, work through this experience so that they can come out better. And let's have mediations between the victims and the offenders, which sounds like a radical idea. It's like, well, Hey, this person, you know, committed a a huge crime against you. Do you really want to sit down? Do you really think we should be putting victims together? And it sounds kind of crazy, but what they found and I shouldn't say this organization because this, you know, started before the organization, but was started by probation officer Mark Yancey, who is considered to be one of the fathers of one of the parents of of restorative justice. And this idea that, hey, by having these conversations and by helping these parties come together. Victims can get closure and they can ask the question of why did you do what you did, which is a question that a lot of victims have, but can never get answers to because of the way our justice system works. And offenders get a chance to really unpack how they felt and what led them to that and work through that trauma. Because quite frankly, it's not like they enjoy doing what they did. I mean, yes, there are granted there are serial killers out there. But it's not like any offender who commits a horrible crime is like happy about it or doesn't regret it, so they can work through that. And Restorative justice also tries to help offenders who are coming out of prison adjust to a new world. Because once you're in prison and you're there for four or five years, you're kind of you're not part of society. And then when you come out, it's like there's a brand new world out there that you're not used to. I would make the argument that you could describe being in prison being like snapped out of existence, like in the Avengers. And then you come back five years later and you're, it's a whole new world. And this is a whole long tangent, but, and I do apologize if my audio quality is a bit different because I'm moving my head around. At least it sounds different in my headphones. I'm wearing headphones and I'm trying to, you know, do the whole podcasting thing where you wear the headphones and then you hear how their voice sounds. And it sounds like it's been changing uh, a little bit, but it could just be me so if it if it sounds good, don't don't worry about it, then you can dismiss what I'm saying and just move on with the podcast. And so, I interned there for um for a year, and I loved every minute of it and then that eventually led me to where I work right now, doing community mediation and trying to help parties resolve conflict with each other. and if I could bring up Captain Picard. To my clients and say, Hey, do you ever, do you ever watch Star Trek? Hey, you should check out TNG because if you agree with Captain Picard and agree with how they resolve conflict, you know, give mediation a try. It's like Star Trek, but not Star Trek because, well, it's not Star Trek, but it feels like it sort of when you're resolving a conflict. Uh, so it's just something that I think about all the time and not a day goes by. Of course I, you know, of course I think about Star Trek all the time because it's what I do. But there's not a day that goes by where I don't think about Star Trek and mediation and conflict resolution. You know, unfortunately, we don't get to see a lot of mediation in the show. That is my one gripe, is I would love to see one episode where specifically it's Captain Picard or whoever the captain is sitting down with a bunch of people who are not happy about something and then him working through it. It's not like, okay, there's no action. There's no subplot. There's just literally Picard or whoever the captain is in the meeting lounge, mediating between two or more groups that are in conflict with each other. So I love it. I love doing it. And I think all of my interest in mediation really comes from Star Trek because Star Trek was like, hey, here's a way you can resolve conflict in a way that doesn't require you to blow stuff up or take someone to court. Even though, and I know I want to make it very clear that I'm well aware that a lot of conflicts in Star Trek are solved by people firing faces at each other or blowing each other up with torpedoes. But that I understand because, well, it's a TV show and people want to watch action. But I think even though that's often the case, Star Trek does do a really good job of solving conflict in a creative way, even if it's not done in a, a traditional mediation and the way that I envision conflict resolution from having studied it in university and now doing it every day. So Star Trek is so, so fundamental to who I am and so fundamental to what I do. But what about you? Has Star Trek influenced your career or has it made some other huge impact in your life that, you know, it wouldn't be the same had you not watched Star Trek or do you just kind of enjoy it but you feel like it hasn't really influenced you on that level? Let me know. I'd love to hear from you. Also, let me know what you like and what you don't like about the show because ultimately my goal is to make a podcast that you enjoy listening to. And I should also say, I have been getting some feedback as I think I've talked about in previous episodes that the show is great, but I actually don't do enough yelling. Let me know. Do you want me to yell a bit more? Do you want me to actually live up to the name of yelling about Star Trek? Or are you okay with it being a tongue-in-cheek thing where I say I'm going to yell, but I actually don't because I'm not that kind of person and it's more of just a... A sort of a tongue-in-cheek joke, but also because I love the flow of the name. Yelling about Star Trek, it just sounds cool. But regardless of your thoughts, let me know. I really do want to hear from you. And in the paraphrase words of Captain Kirk, I shall see you out there. That away.